0: Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. We are previewing the Red River Shootout, baby. Texas and Oklahoma. Joining us now to do that is the one and only Gabe Eichard. You hear him on uh, Big 12 today on Sirius XM Radio. You hear him on the, the, uh, the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast that he does with Teddy Lehman. Gabe, the mere mention of Teddy Lehman sends chills down uh, Texas fans' spines. Um, and you're also uh, hosting shows on um, Sooner Sports TV. Thanks so much for joining us, man.
1: Good to be with you, Chip. Yes, it is. It is the most wonderful week of the year, in my opinion. I I cannot wait to get back to the Cotton Bowl and see that place full, and it feels like one of the more competitive games we're going to have in a while. That's, I mean, Texas has some momentum, OU undefeated, but hasn't looked dominant by any means. So I think you look at, what, the spread, three, some places maybe three and a half. It's feeling like we should get a good one on Saturday.
0: Well, Gabe, I think there are some OU fans who would like you, um, and, and again, congratulations, uh, on winning the Werfel trophy. If I didn't tell you that, um, previously folks, Gabe Eichard was a finalist for the Remington trophy, won the Werfel trophy, um, all around great guy. And Gabe, I think there's some OU fans who would like to see you on the offensive line right about now, but. You, you do the Oklahoma breakdown podcast with Teddy layman. Give us your take on, you know, there just seems to be some sluggishness, um, inconsistency with the Oklahoma offense. Is it the offensive line? Is it Theo? Weese not, you know, being there in the receiving core, too many teams focusing in on Marvin Mims, what, what's going on with the OU offense?
1: Well. Their offensive performance against Kansas State was it, – it, it was much better. It was much better. And it all started, in my opinion, with the performance along the offensive line. In, in a couple of the games, uh, Nebraska, certainly West Virginia, the offensive line had struggled to communicate some things, whether it was the run game or pass protection. And they were targeting some things. Incorrectly, and it led to some negative or zero yard plays that that they should have they should have been able to turn into positive plays if they just would have been on the same page up front. Some of those issues got ironed out against Kansas State, and I think you're going to start to see Oklahoma's offense get things rolling a little bit. And that that may not make a bunch of Texas fans feel better, but they, they ran some, some simpler concepts in the run game, in my opinion, against Kansas State. They ran what a lot of people call split zone. Uh, some people call it zone slice. And it, it really does. It makes it easy along the offensive line. It lets you play with more velocity off the football. It's easy to identify who you're working to in that concept and they ran it more against Kansas State than they had ran it all year combined and they had success doing it and i think it fits it fits their offensive line personnel better but also i really think it builds builds plays when it comes to the play action game that they used off of it to the boot game that they used off of it it got Spencer Rattler out on the edge of the defense out in space, on the move, and that is that's something he's really, really comfortable doing. and he just played he played with a different confidence in that game. he played with a a different demeanor in that game. now they they didn't put up 50 or anything like that, but the possessions were limited because Oklahoma's defense couldn't get off the field. The offense actually had a pretty productive day. I mean when you think about it, so, I think that Oklahoma's offense found a little confidence. They're going to have to play really well along the offensive line in this football game, but I do think they found some things last week against K-State that they are going to continue to build on. So they, it's not like they're a finished product by any means, Chip, but I do think last week they found some things that they're feeling good about carrying forward.
0: When it comes to – um the personnel, because I look at the numbers and I see that Marvin Mims is like the fourth, you know, receiver in terms of receptions and what, what's going on with the receiving core? I re- Obviously Marvin Mims sort of broke out in this Texas game last year and was the guy coming in this year. What's going on with the receiving core and, and should Marvin Mims be the fourth You know, he doesn't have a touchdown catch yet this year um, in that receiving core.
1: Yeah, I always always, uh, subscribe to the kind of the theory that everything in offensive football is connected, right? And in the past, Oklahoma has produced a lot of big explosive plays in the passing game off their play action concepts some extended play action, gets you some one-on-ones, you know, safeties, play and run, thinking, run first, allowing guys like, you know, Hollywood Brown, CD Lamb to have one-on-ones and run by guys. Teams so far this year with, especially early in the season with Oklahoma's inability to run the football efficiently, the play action shots just, I mean, they were not there. They were not there. You you played some some teams that were more than happy to sit back in deep zone coverage and say, okay, throw it underneath. So I, I think that has caused a reduction in the number of big explosive plays in the passing game. And then Marvin Mims in particular, and he he had he finally had a big explosive play against Kansas State on a deep over route, but teams have gotten very physical. With him, I mean, he he's not a big guy. Although he he plays bigger than he is, and he's he's got some toughness, and he's got great speed. Like Nebraska just grabbed him, man. I mean, just grabbed him and grabbed him and grabbed him, and the refs let him play and let him play in the back end, and he he struggled a little bit with the physicality of some of those things. So Lincoln Riley is trying to do some things formationally, motion wise. To get him some free releases and allow him to operate in some more space, but if if the officials are going to allow physical play, like really physical play in the back end, you saw it against West Virginia as well. Then he, he's going to have to learn to fight through that stuff, and that that has been that's definitely been one of the things that has stood out to me about Marvin Mims. And then also, I mentioned the play action stuff, also. Oklahoma just hasn't played a lot of plays offensively. I mean, teams have, and it has a lot to do once again with OU's defense not being able to get off the field at points and times in games. But, you know, the game against Nebraska was short. The game against West Virginia was short. The game against Kansas State, I think OU had three possessions in the first half. They just haven't had the ball that much offensively. So, they haven't run a ton of plays and that's why you you look at the rushing numbers and you're like man why do those guys have so few carries you look at the receiving numbers like well they just haven't been on the field that much chip
0: yeah lincoln riley said today that uh what is it three straight games where ou only had eight possessions for the entire game and that that is uh you know you you think of ou as up tempo explosive um and obviously, you lose Creed Humphrey, the All Big Twelve center, um, and you know talk about how the offensive line is is gelling. Uh, you mentioned the the blocking concepts that that helped uh, in the K State game, but how would you describe the offensive line um, and and replacing Creed Humphrey?
1: Well, creed creed has not been replaced just quite yet. I mean, he's one of the best college centers and uh, I've told anyone that wants to listen that he is going to be a better pro than he was a college player. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that prediction with the way he's playing for the chiefs right now, but they they're starting Andrew rain at center right now. And I don't even think he's been playing center for a full calendar year yet. They kind of he he took his first true reps at the center position in spring ball. So he's knew the position. He's a young player. He hadn't his his first start against like a real team was against Nebraska in that setting against some veteran defensive tackles. And it just he he is he's playing better. Rame is playing better. Kansas State, uh, I thought. He he did some really good things. Now, he's still got a long way to go, and he's a young player. Like, he's he's going to get his butt beat a little bit every once in a while. That's what happens when you're a young player playing high-level college football. But they they have some interesting things going on along the offensive line. The right side of the offensive line is the strength of the line, no doubt. Chris Murray is their right guard. He is he's not a big guy, right? He's not going to wow you with size. But he's got toughness, he's got a little mean streak in him, and he plays with solid technique. And he, he's done a good job for him. Tyrese Robinson, their right tackle, he's a guard playing tackle. I mean, that that's what he is. He's a guard playing tackle, but he's playing pretty good, right? Now, he had some penalties last week, and some OU fans were not happy about it. I understand that. But if you take the penalties out of it, he, he's playing some good ball. So that right side is, is doing some good things, like it, playing well consistently, which is what you're looking for along the offensive line. You want consistency. You don't want up and down, up and down, and that's unfortunately what you're getting from their left tackle. Anton Harrison just, I mean, can't seem to put not only like a, like a game together. He can't seem to put a couple drives in a row of good football together. It's it's one play, he looks fantastic, and the next year, just like, what is he doing? But he's got a ton of talent, so they're trying to work through some of these rough patches, hoping that he reaches his ceiling this season, which is a high ceiling. But last couple games, Bill Bimbo has – Pulled him out of the game and put Juanye Morris, the Tennessee transfer in. He's done some good things, but he's given up a couple sacks. And there's just not a lot of violence to his game. It's it's very, you know, he does the right things, he's blocking the right guys, but there's nothing physical about it. And then left guard Marquise Hayes, who is an all-conference player, was a preseason all Big 12 player. He's just not playing well. I, I don't know what else to say other than that. He just, for whatever reason, he has not played at the level that a lot of people thought he was going to play at. And he's got to figure it out because Texas defensive line, man, they have got they've got strength, they've got size, and he's going to have to play better. That's the bottom line. So the group as a whole is getting better, but they definitely need some guys mainly on the left side of the O-line to start playing some better football and some more consistent football.
0: Gabe, was it seven penalties on the offensive line against K-State?
1: It was a lot. It was a lot. And they were costly as well. So not only were, you know, penalties are penalties. I will say this. A couple of them are holds, right? And, when you are when you're running zone schemes in the run game and you're running, 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 and you're targeting a linebacker or defensive lineman, and all of a sudden the running back behind you, he I mean, he's pressing it front front side, and then all of a sudden takes it backside into an opening he sees, and the guy changes direction, and you've got him grabbed and he starts going the other way and you're holding him. That happens. Those are those are what I like to call penalties of passion. You can't have dumb penalties, though. Holds are going to happen when you're running a bunch of zone schemes. They're going to happen. But you can't have a unnecessary roughness on the PAT after you basically ice the game away with a score, and then you have to kick off 15 yards farther back, and then Malik Knowles catches it and runs it to the house. I mean, you just, or I guess it wasn't a PAT, it was a field goal. And to put it to a 13 point margin, and all of a sudden the penalty backs you up on the kickoff. You kick it off. Malik Knowles runs untouched to the end zone for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, hey, onside kicks on the table, and you've put your team in a horrible situation. You can't you can't have those types of penalties. Especially against a team as solid as Texas, you you can't have it. You got away with it against Kansas State, but can't have any of that this weekend. Let's take a quick break here
0: with Gabe Eichard, former Oklahoma offensive lineman. By the way, he went three and one against Texas during his. Damn you, Case McCoy! Oh, and that was the last one. We'll we'll come back with Gabe Eichard, um right here on the flagship podcast. Gabe, obviously, I loved Ramondre Stevenson last year. I love him now on my fantasy team with the with the New England Patriots. I love Kennedy Brooks too, um, and Eric Gray, the the Tennessee transfer. Talk about what you're seeing from the OU
1: running backs. They're solid. They're solid. They had some struggles early in the year in pass protection, not necessarily knowing where they were supposed to go, but just you know being physical enough in what they needed to do in blitz pickup. But DeMarco Murray, is he's gotten those guys right. And something really stood out to me. I talked a lot about the zone schemes that they ran against Kansas State. Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray just looked more comfortable running that style. And I I also believe, I mean, DeMarco Murray, he was one of the best zoning running backs I've ever been around. I mean, he did it at OU. He did it in Dallas. He did it when he went to Tennessee. Like, it's what he believes in. It's what he knows. It's what he excelled at. It's what, you know, led him to lead the NFL in rushing (laughs) that one year. Like, that is his thing. So I'm sure DeMarco's pretty pumped up about them running some zone too. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of people talk about Kenny Brooks' patience in the GT counter scheme, how he would kind of wait and wait and then hit the hole. I really just liked the way that he ran the zone stuff against Kansas State. It was one cut, downhill, physical. I mean, he's running through tackles, falling forward for extra yards. I mean, I liked that version of Kennedy Brooks, and I think he enjoyed it too. I mean, I was able to talk to Kennedy and Eric about it after the game, and they may have been the only people happier than me about how much zone they ran. If you can't tell chip i it, zone outside zone is basically my favorite play in football. I think it's I call it God's play. I think it's the best play in all of football when it comes to running the football, but i I think those guys those guys really feel good about some of the things they're gonna do moving forward. And it also it, it it'll open some things up in the screen game. It'll open some things up for them catching the ball in the flat, just them getting easy touches. And I, I think that that while they only have two guys, right, that they really want to put on the field at running back with with Gray and Brooks, I, I think they're two really solid players. They're not Bijan. I'm not saying that. They are they are certainly not. Bijan, but they are, they're good backs.
0: Well, how much of that is a departure Gabe from, you know, the counter tray, which has sort of been the bread and butter of at least the, the running base of Lincoln Riley's version of the air raid, which has been so effective in, in years, in years past, which is, you know, more of a power play, uh, you're pulling linemen. I would imagine they're if if you move more toward the zone, you're going to move away from the the counter tray.
1: So to put it in perspective, you're right that GT counter the two polar play and a bunch of different variations of it have have been the bread and butter when it comes to the running game for this team for a long time. They ran that play one time against Kansas State, once. They ran different variations of zone, split zone, over 20 times. They only had 62, 63 plays, something, you know, in the low 60s. They ran a variation of zone about a third of the plays in that football game. So I – one thing I will say about Lincoln Riley, he has always been very good at adjusting to his personnel. and. I think it maybe took him a couple of weeks, but I think he had the moment of realization where he's like, "Hey, we just don't have a, you know, a, a gap scheme O line that's just going to maul people off the ball. We just, we just don't have that those guys this season. And when you've had so much success doing it, it may take you a little bit to. I, I don't want to say abandon it because they still have it, right? Those guys can run that play." With their eyes closed, they've run it so many times in practice. But when when you've had so much success with success with it, sometimes it takes you a little bit to move away from it. And I think that's what we saw happen in in Manhattan. We saw Lincoln Riley not, and and it had a lot to do with what Kansas State does defensively, with a lot of that three man front stuff. But I, I think he had that moment of realization that hey. This is going to put the offensive line that we've got this season in a better position to succeed. And it's going to allow me to build some plays for Spencer Rattler in the play-action game and the boot game that will put him in positions to succeed because it's where he's comfortable. He, He likes to be out on the edge of the defense. He likes to throw on the move. So I think it was Lincoln Riley just reassessing some of the things They were doing offensively and just saying, Hey, okay, how can I put my players in better situations to succeed? And I think that's what he did. Well, that explains a lot because obviously there was
0: some, you know, hubbub among the fans about Spencer Rattler. And I'm looking at Rattler's numbers. He's completing 76% of his passes. I mean, you tell me, and obviously you just kind sort of outlined some things that will be adjusted to make him more comfortable, but how would you assess Rattler's play uh, through five games?
1: When the expectation coming into the year is win the Heisman Trophy, win the national championship, and be the number one pick in the NFL draft, you got to play really, really well right to live up to that expectation. It's it's almost an unfair expectation, but the expectations are what they are for any quarterback that plays in Lincoln Riley's offense. So, he has certainly fallen short of that. Right? I think I think his best ball this year is ahead of him. Uh, I really do. I liked what I saw against Kansas State. I liked his demeanor. I liked how fired up he was. He showed some emotion, but he he has not played as well as they need him to play. And that's not saying that he hasn't played good. Like, I mean, how many teams in the country would take Rattler right now? A whole lot. I mean, damn near all of them. So th- maybe this is the best way to put it. He's been good. They need him to be great. Great. He's been good. Now he's he's put the ball in some interesting situations. You know, he's he he's staring down some receivers a little too much, but he needs to take his game to the next level. He needs to be more accurate, he needs to be more decisive with the football. But he's been good with with the with the offensive line situation, even though I think it's getting better. They need Spencer Rattler. If they want to reach their goals. They want to win the Big 12 and go to the college football playoff, all that stuff. He has got to take his play to another level. That's where I think we're at. Like he's been good, but he has not played up to the expectation. And I know that that, that's an expectation that a lot of people from the outside put on him, just knowing him, like that's the expectation he has for himself. So there's there's room for improvement. And I think I I really do think with some of the things they've they've adjusted to scheme wise, I think his best football this season is ahead of him. Well,
0: the defense, the Oklahoma defense, which is, I believe, number seven nationally against the run. I mean, the marquee matchup in Saturday's game is Bijan Robinson, the nation's number two rusher against Oklahoma's 7th ranked run defense um you know talk about that matchup and 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 the OU run defense
1: yeah OU's run defense has been good it has uh they have had some issues getting off the field uh whether it's third down or fourth down teams have been able to go on Aggravatingly long, time consuming drives, and have been able to put points up on the board, and especially early in games. They've struggled, especially the opening drive of the game, for whatever reason. So, just looking back at last week, you were like, okay, if they shut down the run with Deuce Vaughn, with what K State likes to do, like they're going to be in great shape. Skylar Thompson threw the ball 41 times. And that was the game plan. It's not like something that, where they saw and they're like, oh, we can't run it. Let's just throw it all over the yard. It's like Skylar Thompson couldn't move. He was nowhere near 100%. And he just dropped back and threw it all around the yard. And OU, they have some guys out, and we'll see, we'll see if they're able to get any, any of them back. But DeLaron Turner-Yale back there at the safety position. Woody Washington's going to be out for a while. At corner, uh, Jalen Redmond is down there, um, defensive lineman who had been starting for him, doing some good things, and then Danny Stutzman, who is a freshman linebacker who had been playing a lot, has has missed the last couple. So you look at some of the guys they're missing; that doesn't help. But they just they're just not great in coverage right now. I mean, after the K State game, Alex Grinch said that. Calling zone coverage is a free play for the opponent right now. I mean, he said it. The defense coordinator, the man responsible for the defense, is the one that said it. So they're having some struggles. The thing that probably surprised me the most against Kansas State is they just couldn't They couldn't disrupt Skylar Thompson. That Kansas State offense line, credit to them for protecting their guy, but OU just couldn't get home. He dropped back 41 times. They sacked him once, and I think maybe hit him twice total so that's just got to be better it's got to be better I you know I'm not a defensive guru I know a bit but they look they look a little lost in zone coverage kind of like they're floating in between and I've talked to you know my podcast partner I also do the OU radio call with him uh, Teddy Lehman he he says they're kind of caught in between being a follow the QB's eyes and react to that zone coverage team, and then a pattern-matching zone coverage team. He says they're out there just kind of like floating in between the two, and that is resulting in some breakdowns in coverage. Uh, They've had some issues with communication, especially when DeLarion Turner-Yell is off the field, and they just have to play better. Uh, Against the run, they've been solid. I mean, really solid. They shut down Letty Brown. They shut down Deuce Vaughn. I mean, those are two good backs but their issues right now are coverage related and pass rush related they have to get more pressure on the quarterback bottom line and that'll help out the coverage right but they're they're losing leverage in man coverage i mean they're getting beaten side in man coverage they're they're not executing well in zone coverage they they got some problems in the back end coming into this game. And I assume it, it'll be a an intense week of practice for them defensively after what their uh defensive coordinator said after that game in Manhattan.
0: Is Turner Yell kind of the the quarterback back there? And yeah,
1: he's the one him. at that safety position. He's the one that now the linebackers do a lot when it comes to you know getting guys up front lined up, but When it comes to making adjustments in the back end, whether shifts, motions, you know, checking coverage, Delaron Turner-Yell is a very experienced player, and he has directed a lot of that traffic back there. Now, Pat Fields is also the other safety. Like he is, he's a very experienced player, very intelligent guy, uh, knows the defense inside and out. But they they are having to put some some guys that just aren't as good as Delaron Turner-Yell right now on the field and it's it's led to some big plays. And is Yell
0: expected to be back this week or do we not know?
1: We have no idea. I mean I haven't I don't even think that I don't think they know. I think they'll see how he progresses this week. And it was a weird deal in the West Virginia game. Like he went and broke up a pass and then all of a sudden like somehow looks like he hurt his hamstring on the play and anyone that's ever pulled a hamstring it can be a couple weeks or it can be a couple months so i mean uh, we'll, we'll see gabe what uh i, I noticed teams have gone for it
0: on fourth down against ou more than any other team in the big 12. they've opponents have gone for it on fourth down 19 times through five games they've converted 12 of those why is that is that because the offense is getting across midfield um and They'd rather take their chances. What What do you think is the cause of that?
1: I, I think, and it's interesting. Some people seem to think it's a sign of disrespect to OU's defense or something like that, and I I, I don't agree with that notion. I think it's it's more of just coaches understanding analytics now and understanding that. They're not going to beat Oklahoma punting from their own forty-yard line, right? If I mean, you you saw West Virginia do it, you saw Kansas State do it. Like, if you're going to knock off one of you know the most prestigious programs in all of college football, a team that has you know just played at a consistent level for a long, long time now, like you're going to have to take some chances. And this is the way I see it. Like, it, it, if it if you can't get a yard on fourth and one. Then you're not gonna beat OU. Right? I mean, so I think it has a lot to do with like Chris Kleiman is an analytical guy. Like they 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 look at those percentages. Neil Brown is a very analytical guy. They look at the percentages. There's a you know, there's a book out there now. Hey, go for it or not. But I think, especially in those two games, you look at it, it's like, hey. Hey, if we're going to beat OU, especially when West Virginia was in Norman, it's like, hey, we're going to have to take some chances. If we get into these situations, I think both of those teams went into that game saying, hey, if we get in these situations, we're going for it, guys. So the players weren't surprised at all. I mean, you look at some of those cases, they're not even looking to the sideline. They know they're going for it. So I, I do think it's it's just knowing what you got to do to beat a team that's got more talent than you.
0: When you look at special teams, I mean, Gabe Berkic is as good as there is. Um, OU's, you know, among the tops and punting average. What about the return game, Gabe? Who's who's making a difference in the return game for OU?
1: Not a lot of differences being made currently in the return game. Uh, Marvin Mims is their punt returner. Obviously, guys got speed, but they just haven't been able to they haven't been able to really get any big returns that i can think of whether it be kickoff returns with you know Mario Williams or whoever they stick back there they just haven't had much success they haven't now burkitch has been fantastic and that kid is quite the character uh check out some of his uh post game interviews if you haven't already people but kicking and punting's great. They have not they have not been able to to really get game-changing plays on special teams. And it seems like they're due for one.
0: When you look at Texas, um you know what stands out about the Longhorns this year?
1: Bijan Robinson, man. I mean, and I, I think Casey Thompson's been solid. He clearly didn't play his best against TCU. Um, I would like to see them use his athleticism a little more. I know he wants to play quarterback from the pocket. I understand that. But the kid can run. <laughs> I mean, they should I would I, I would do a few different things with him, but I think Bijan I've gone back and forth, but he just might be the best player in college football. I I think he is making an average offensive line look good. Like he's that good. The vision, the jump cut, gallop thing, whatever the hell you want to call it that he's able to do, the spins, he forces you, he forces a defense to play with perfect gap integrity. Like, you cannot leave your gap. They're running inside zone to the right, and I was just watching the TCU game, and they're running inside zone to the right, and he does one little hop, skip to the left, and he goes, just runs past everyone around the entire defense. You're just like, what? Or he's spinning out of something in between the tackles. He's he's making a guy miss that is unblocked in the backfield. Like, he is... It, in my opinion, he's the best running back in all of college football. I, I don't really think there's anyone else that I would take over him. Yeah. His- I think that that's what stands out. I mean, the offensive line play, and I know Okafor goes down, right? And that that creates some interesting, some interesting dynamics heading into this game. I do think that Okafor going down and Kerstetter moving into the interior. I think that's better for Derek Kerstetter. I think that's where he belongs. Um, he's he's a solid player. I like the center. I like the center. I like majors. He's doing some good things. Uh, Ungalow is strong. Not the most athletic dude, but strong. Knows what he's doing. Experience comes off the rock in the run game. I think the tackles are going to be the big question mark for Texas in this game. I, I I look at Christian Jones, and I see a guard playing tackle. That's what I see. And he has some plays where you're like, all right, yeah, he looks pretty solid. And then he's got some just terrible plays on tape where you're like, what is he doing? I think the matchup between him... And whether they put Nick Benito over there in passing situations or Isaiah Thomas over there in passing situations, that's certainly something to watch. I honestly feel better about Andre Carrick than I do about Christian Jones in this game. And I know Carrick, he's young. You can tell, like, he still doesn't have the weight. He doesn't have the strength. But he put some pretty good stuff on tape against TCU. Did a good job in the run game. Plays hard. He's physical at the line of scrimmage um he's got some he's got some technique work he needs to do in pass protection but he he I I can tell you he's going to be down the line he's going to be a solid player. He's got he's got the tools. But I think tackling is going to be and I know it sounds obvious but tackling is going to be huge in this game because OU's defensive line is going to whoop Texas' offensive line on a lot of plays. And there are going to be plays in the backfield to be made against Bijan Robinson. And we'll see if they can get him on the ground because they couldn't get Deuce Vaughn on the ground very often. And that was more the linebackers and secondary guys for Oklahoma. But it's going to come down to, hey, can you get B. John Robinson on the ground?
0: Well, I, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction unless you want to offer one up. But, um, you know, you've, you've done a, a really good job. I mean, any other things you think will determine the outcome of this one?
1: I think Texas is secondary. I, you know, I look at the defensive line, right? Veteran group, heavy, they've got size. Uh, Jacoby Jones is a little inconsistent for me, but shows flashes. I mean, Alfred Collins, man, you talk about a guy jumping off tape every once in a while, that guy's got all the length and athleticism in the world. Uh, We'll see if they're able to handle Coburn there at nose. I I think that if, if I was Lincoln Riley, which I clearly am not, I would, I would make that big defensive line from Texas move. And I'd run outside zone a lot. I'd make them I'd make them read, make them react. Hey, make Coburn run sideline to sideline. Make a Jomo run sideline to sideline. Get those big, strong dudes moving. Don't let her just, don't let them just hunker down and play gap schemes. I mean, that's what they want. So that's how I would attack them in the running game. And then as far as the secondary, I I think the corners and your guys' nickel are solid. I mean, Jameson, I, I know he gave up some big plays uh against Texas Tech but the guy can run. He's an experienced guy. Josh Thompson is about as physical as you're going to see at the corner position. Now, I don't think he's spectacular in coverage, but getting off blocks, making plays on the perimeter, run support, he's about as good as I've seen on tape this year at the corner spot when it comes to doing that stuff. I think if you're Oklahoma's offense, you attack the safeties. I think that's the weakness. I I guess if if you can scheme up some things to – to really put Brockermeyer on an island when it comes to coverage. I think you, you, you can make some money doing that as well, but with, you know, BJ Foster and Jaron Thompson, and a couple of the other guys that Texas has put back there at safety. I I think it's clear that they don't feel great about the level of play. They're getting back there. And that's who I'd attack. And it's, it's not easy, right? Playing a bunch of cover three, playing a bunch of cover four, but there's cover three and cover four beaters. Everyone knows them, and, and it comes down to okay, do you think those guys can cover? But you got to be able to run the football to let some of those things and you got to be able to protect the quarterback to let some of those deeper routes develop and to really kind of attack those safeties in coverage. So I'm I maybe making it sound too simple. I think I think it's gonna be a good game. Yeah. I I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, you know, like 28 24, you know, something like 20, you know, 24 27, something like that. That's kind of how I see it. I think the defenses will, will do a solid job, but we'll see. I, I do think there'll be points in time where both offensive lines struggle to block the opposing defensive line. Uh, I think the defensive lines in this game are solid. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But I think I think Oklahoma's a better football team
0: well Gabe I love talking ball with you it's it's awesome for well, talking
1: so much Chip you, well, you just get me on a roll man it's your I, fault
0: I love it I love it I mean I love this game more than anything I think it's the greatest game day atmosphere in sports and I live for it every year so I'm just uh I don't know. I can't get enough of it this week. So we we really appreciate you taking a little time for us. We know you're busy. You're on, um, you know, you're on SiriusXM Radio hosting Big 12 Today. You're doing the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast with Teddy Layman and and hosting shows on on Sooner Sports TV. So keep up the great work and and thanks again for spending some time with us.
1: Uh, I appreciate it, and to all the uh, loyal Horns twenty four seven listeners, to all the loyal listeners of the flagship podcast, you can direct all your anger at me at Gabe Eichard on Twitter. Let me have it. I want to hear it from you. I want to hear it from the Texas fans. Let's uh, let's let's have some friendly banter before Saturday, shall we?
0: I love it. I love it. Well, for Gabe Eichard, I am Chip Brown. Until next time here on the flagship podcast, thanks for listening and stay safe and keep the faith.